Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I am joined by the amazing <laughs> Rachel Zoe, who I'm a massive fan of. For years and years, I've followed you. Absolutely very excited to have you on here. The style queen. I have lots of your clothes. Yeah, I actually, I wore your one of your beautiful fringe jackets on Watch What Happens Live when I had a wardrobe malfunction. And my dress that I was meant to be wearing was see-through. So I bought one. I bought your jacket from Kyle Richards from her school. Ah. <laughs> she had it on. She, I love that. Yeah. And loved it. Love it. Anyway, so welcome oh, to the you. show. Thank you. Well, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I mean, obviously fashion. And we just started having a conversation before about Dubai, where yeah. I live. And I can't, couldn't believe it, everyone. Rachel has not been to Dubai. I, I confess that I have not been, and I have to say that I look forward to when I do come because I've had some incredible opportunities to come and it just has never worked with my like work calendar and for one reason or another. And then I think I was about to go just as COVID happened and I had plans to go and obviously I had to cancel, but I have so many friends that go. I have so many peers that spend so much time in Dubai and I've heard incredible things about it. So, well, I'm I think, you know, I mean, here in Dubai, we, we, everyone's big on fashion, but it's sort of like, yeah. it's, it's kind of everybody follows the trends. Nobody right. um, sort of really makes their own sort of statement. And I always think of you as one of the, well, probably the first Uber stylist there was. Everybody oh. wanted to work with you. And, you know, you put such a twist. You, I mean, I actually, I, I never really see, you don't really follow trends. You just sort of never. wear what's, you never. Never. I don't, I don't believe in them, to be honest. I, I don't believe in trend. Trend can be very polarizing. And I think, you know, there's an old term called fashion victim, right? We don't really use that term anymore. But when I was coming up as a stylist, there was people that were like, oh, she's such a fashion victim, you know? And you would see that person wearing like the it everything the it jacket, the it bag, the it everything. And I just always find that the things that transcend trend, that transcend time year after year after year, that, you know, keep going in that big fashion circle and always come back around, ultimately are the things that are true to you, right? And 
So for me, I think I never followed trend because I was always very sure of how I wanted to feel in clothes and how I wanted to, I never dressed for men. I never dressed really for anybody. It was really like, what makes me feel the most like myself? So when everyone was wearing skinny jeans or crop jeans or whatever, I was like, okay, but I'm wearing my high-waisted wide leg or my big flare or bell bottom or whatever. It didn't matter to me because so what if someone was like the skinnies in and those aren't uh, okay, but I'm not comfortable in a skinny, so I'm not wearing it. So I, I think it's sort of that has always dictated, you know, my, my style because I, I know this sounds ridiculous as a stylist for pretty much my whole life, that comfort for me and a sort of effortlessness was always something that mattered to me. And I can't be in something that's very like constricting and tight, like boning and whatever, because I just sit there like unhappy the whole night. I mean, so. I kind of really understand you because I feel like, I mean, I, for a minute, a hot minute, I, I sort of, um, was a bit of a stylist back in the day to, you know, um, sort of clients in the UK. And I remember just saying, you know, don't let the cl- clothes wear you. They need to mm-hmm. feel like you. And a lot of times clothes yeah. wear you. And it's so funny now because my style has evolved into this ridiculous fashion victim style because I'm on housewives. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> We kind of have to. We have to. And you have to sell product. You yes. got to sell product. Um, no, but you know, uh, on Housewives, if you don't slightly sort of have these, re- my father actually texted me the other day going, darling, what is that awful hair and that terrible ill-fitting dress? And I'm like, dad, I'm a housewife. You know, and it's just, it kind of goes with the territory, but you're absolutely right. I'm ashamed to say it. I am now a fashion victim. Um, that is not true. <laughs> I, 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 that is not true. I would never describe you as a fashion victim. I know plenty of them. And you are not one of them. So don't be so hard on yourself. Not at all. And also at the end of the day, you're not a fashion victim if you're aware of the fact that you're dressing like that. (laughs) Yes, I'm aware. It's the people who don't know and just have a lot of money to spend and just buy the thing. Yeah. And they don't actually think about, does this look good on me? It's sort of like, this is the thing. So this is what I'm wearing. You know, like right now in the Barbie insanity that's happening, if pink doesn't really suit you and you don't like pink, then don't wear it. (laughs) You know, I just think, I just think you're the cooler for it, but you know. Well, I'd love to see what what you would do to me one one day. I'd have to be Rachel's. Oh, it'd be fun. (laughs) That'd be fun. You're like a human Barbie. What do you mean? That'd be so fun. You have to come out here because I mean, also over here, we don't really have stylists. They don't have, they're, they're, they're very behind, you know, behind on those kind of things. They don't have you know, in, in England, you can hire stylists to come yeah, and shop for you and do all of that. Great have, ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have in-house shoppers in stores, but you don't really have real stylists here. And I've, I've said to a couple of girlfriends of mine, um, you've just got to come over here and do it and give these lectures because yeah. I think people would just, I think people are so, th- there's so much money here. Everyone's moved here, Yeah, but they're so yeah. thirsty for it. It would be amazing. It, that's so shocking to me what yeah. you're telling me. Like it's it's so shocking to me because I feel like there's endless wealth and access and that, you know, because the same way I feel like so many women in Dubai fly to the States to do all sorts of things, as we may or may not speak of, but all sorts of things, right? But it would shock me that they wouldn't do the reverse and have, you know, stylists come and really you know, shop for them and style them because I feel like it's such a glamorous place to live. I feel like there's events every night and, right? 
It is. And every day is like a catwalk here. So, I mean, you're right. And they, they do, they, they fly into the States and do all that, you know, a lot of for plastic surgery and things like that. If you're yeah. talking about. So I, you said it, when you say it, it's, it's better, you know, I'm well, a little more, I just booked, you know. I just booked mine today, yesterday. With who? Oh my God. Well, Kat, I, I, I follow Kat Sadler, who's, who I've interviewed before yes. and she looks fucking so amazing. Sweet. She just, um, who did she go to? Dr. Simon to? Kim, Kim, is it? Very, very nice guy. Just had a consult with him. But anyway, I was like, she looks fresh as a daisy. And she, she, I mean, I'm not out, I'm not outing her. She, she put this on social ma- media. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you put it on social media. Yeah. It's for the world to see, right? It's for the world. So I was like, I want to look like she does. I'm 47. She's 48. So I was like, it's the time to do it. So I've just literally booked yeah. mine. So I'm going to be, again, one of those people flying from Dubai to go and do other things. By the way, text me every day. Tell me everything. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. I'll be dying. Dying for it. So curious. I'll I be do it. I just want to do it while I'm sleeping. I'm I everybody. Wanna, well, wake but, up. Of course you'll be sleeping. <laughs> I'm everyone. No, I kid. just mean like I want to go to sleep tonight and like wake up tomorrow morning looking 10 years younger. Okay. Well, I just, <laughs> I, I'm one of those people that just doesn't think, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to put it out of my mind and not think about it till <laughs> the day actually comes and then just walk in there completely with my heads in the clouds. But Are I'm you very, a Virgo? What? No, I'm Taurus. Are you a Virgo? Taurus. Oh, well, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same concept. Yeah. So, because I just want it done, <laughs> yeah. so I don't want to think about it. And, you know, another thing that fascinates <laughs> me is that you and Roger, you have been together. You're like dog years in Hollywood. How? <laughs> it's like crazy. How do you manage it? Because Hollywood is like, you know, first of all, nobody manages to keep a marriage together. And you two work together. You're best friends. You have a, your son now. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. You know, it's funny. I think... Of all the things in my life that do shock me, I, I think probably the thing that does shock me the most is that I'm still with the same person after 31 years, which is insane. We have two kids, nine and 12. Our boys are pretty much my whole universe. You know, I think it's wild because, you know, I, I always tell people I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want anyone to be delusional. Like there are moments where I really want to like, like hit him with like a frying pan or something. I think you did. I watched the show. I'm sure you did a few times or a handbag, a Birkin. (laughs) Well, it's weird. It's like nobody, you know, it's, it's wild. I mean, we've basically grown up together. I also want to say with the caveat that I had a lot of boyfriends before I met him. I started, I was obsessed with guys. Like I was boy crazy, like very young. I mean, really, I think I won the biggest flirt award when I was six years old in camp. And I always loved boys. And I think by the time we met, I was really sick of sort of just having those really gorgeous asshole boyfriends. I was just done. And I think at that point, you know, when I met him, I was ready to really go and do that. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to find out who I am. I'm going to like find myself and be single and like not date anyone for a year or whatever. I met him the next day and here I am. And I think that I also said in that moment for many years to my friends, because I had so many friends that were like, oh, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to have a baby by the time I'm, you know, 24 or whatever it was. And I was like, oh. I was like, I'm never getting married. That sounds so crazy to me, right? To be with the same person. And, you know, I think life is just funny. You know, it just has a different plan than the one you have in your head. And I think what ultimately happened is that over time was really sort of the only easy thing in my life. And my career pretty much dominated my whole universe, right? 
and you know, in the crazy world of fashion and Hollywood and the whole thing, it was basically like I worked for like 15 straight years without breathing, without seeing anything, without, and then all of a sudden, 18 years after being together, we had kids and it, it was wild and it was an accident. We weren't trying, not an accident. Cause in my mind, I was like, of course I'm going to be a mother. It's my favorite thing in the world. But like when, right. And that's kind of how it happened. But we, I don't know. I think that we were never planning to work together. That definitely seems like the craziest thing you could ever say out loud is working with your husband. What did, what did um, he and do before? He was an investment banker. He was in finance. So he was an investment banker, then became a sort of a, a tech entrepreneur very early on, like started the Webby Awards, the Tele Awards, like all these great things and was involved in a lot of businesses, sold, sold to business, that kind of thing. And what happened was when my business started to get beyond styling and we launched the Zoe Report and all these other channels of the brand and the show and my books and all these things, you know, after a while of having just bad people in your life, I don't know if you've experienced that, but I think having been burned by people in business that were seemingly so amazing and trustworthy and kind they weren't. And I think what happened was it was too much for me to handle. It was just too much. Like I just was like styling was all consuming the show, the Zoe report, my books and all these other things that were happening, which is not manageable. And so he started helping me. And when we launched the Zoe report, that was really his baby. And when we launched Curator and Box of Style, that was all him. Those were all his ideas of how to communicate with my audience or my following or whatever it was well, because that was something I would have never done. Let's take a little break from the show and this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want to take this time to share something really important with you and something that, you know, I'm sure we've all been through. Have you ever experienced a moment where you're unsure of the direction of your life or the path to choose? It's really not uncommon to face challenging decisions and the way forward may seem unclear. So I've had many, like whether I should get divorced, whether I should move to Dubai, whether I should change my company, you know, all of these things, they sort of require somebody that isn't attached to you to help you sort of sort your mind and not get sort of bogged down by the minutiae. Whether you're contemplating career choices, navigating relationships or any other aspect of your life, therapy can be a guiding light. If you're thinking about starting therapy, let me introduce you to BetterHelp. So BetterHelp is an online platform designed to make therapy convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. This, for me, as someone who's so busy, is majorly important. It really is as simple as filling out a brief questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist who aligns with your needs and preferences. And the best part is, you know, really don't worry because if you don't like the first therapist that you've been matched with, you can simply change for no additional charge. BetterHelp guides you to stay connected to your true desires and it empowers you and gives you the tools just to move forward with confidence with a new sense of excitement. Therapy has had such a profound impact on so many people's lives, including mine, that it's not just for those who experience major trauma, it's for anyone seeking personal growth, positive coping skills, and tools to create a fulfilling life. And there's all different types of therapists. Let therapy be your map. With BetterHelp guiding you towards a happier, more fulfilling life, visit betterhelp.com forward slash divorce not dead to take that first step today. 
And for all my listeners, I have a special offer. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Divorce Not Dead. Remember, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp because we believe in the transformative power of therapy. So don't wait to start your journey towards living your best life just like I have. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I'm Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. Here's the question, because a lot of people struggle with that, because, you know, like, how do you relinquish something that you have put together that is all about you? I'm going through this stuff now with with my husband Mm -hmm. as well, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've never worked with my ex-husband and I didn't work together. And I think I would have Mm -hmm. um, definitely run him down with a big truck. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but Sergio, he's behind the camera now. He's so easy to work with. Like we really have fun together, but I yeah. fi- I do find it hard to let go of certain aspects because I'm a control freak. Yeah. Um, of course. So how how did you do that or let let him take it? Did you let him take it over completely? Did you like watch everything? No. Like, no. No. What I do is I really know what I know and I really know what I don't know, and what he handles in our business from the get go is his real area of comfort and expertise, which is finance, business, modeling, operations, really all of it, like sort of just big ideas person. And I'm really creative. And, you know, for me, it's a lot about gut. Everything I've ever built anything on in my career has been based on, does this feel right? Does this person sort of, do we have like an energy together? Do we, I will say I've really learned a lot about people. Um, I think I started out my career very naive about people and I have some incredible people in my life, but I've also been burned a lot. And I think when that happens, it helps to really shape who you are, right? Like it really ultimately helps you develop a thicker skin. It helps you have 10 eyes open when you may have only had two open and to really start to separate when you can your work life and personal life. And I'm sure you have the same issue is that, you know, for me coming up in fashion and styling and my clients and all these things, it all blended to one. I don't even know who my personal friends versus work friends versus, you know, and so having my husband as my partner was sort of like, okay, if I'm going to argue with somebody about something that I don't necessarily agree with, wouldn't I rather that be the person I trust most in my life rather than a person that makes ultimately screw me over. Right. And how many times have you heard about partners that break up? I mean, nine times out of 10. Right. Well, the same about husband and wives too. So that's, you know, but it's hard. By the way, that's true. That's a, you're a hundred percent right. And by the way, I think ultimately if that does happen, then it wasn't meant to be anyway. Well, of course, you know, know. a lot of people feel, or I know that my train of thought always was, well, if I break up with my partner, it's, it's, it's much harder if we work together. If, you know, so then how do you unscramble that? But maybe that's actually Mm -hmm. good. No, and, and you're correct. And I think that, 
There are moments where, you know, I would say we've been working together, I think maybe now, I think it's since about 2009. And, you know, I would say there have definitely been moments where I'm like, I literally want to kill. Like, I, I, you have to leave the room or I'm going to scream, you know, and I'm very about personal space and I, and I work very closely with my team. And I think that what has really worked for us is our ability to sort of give each other space, right? Like even in the pandemic, when we were working at home, I didn't even see him. Like he was working in a part of the house that I literally didn't hear him. I didn't see him. And my kids were homeschooling and I was in one area. And I think there's a real respect for boundaries. And I think if you don't have that, it cannot work, honestly. But I think the important common thread in husband and wives that I know that work together, they carry very different parts of the business. And my part is so different than what he does. And even more so now, to be honest, even more so now. Because a lot of my job is really keeping the brand relevant and strong and new and modern and out there, really. And my podcast and things like that and, and all these like licenses and partnerships and stuff like that. And he's really on the business side, you know? So it's, it's not that hard to really differentiate, if that makes sense. But I will say the challenge, the greatest challenge has always been, and especially once we had kids we don't really turn off from it. Right. And I think as a CEO and co-CEOs, it's sort of like, we really just have to not talk about it right now. Like it's a Sunday morning at like 8am. Why are we talking about this? You know? And I think it's, it's, it's harder not to talk about it. And I think when your husband isn't your partner, you don't talk about business. Right. Yeah. So, so what do you do for you? So how would you, you know, do you take holidays? I get asked that question a lot. Sorry, what, what yeah. are you saying? Do you take holidays just the, the two of you or how do you, how do you keep it alive? The answer is no. And we used to, and we need to. And that's something actually that we're working on right now, because I think in the chaos of life, work and the kids, because you know, there's moments in your work life that are so intense and so busy and so stressful. And whether it's good stress, bad stress, it doesn't matter. It's just part of entrepreneurial life, right? It's like this, high, up, down, up, down. And, you know, I think date nights are important. I think going away, you know, I have a problem where I don't love to leave my kids and I need to be better at that because he would be alone with me for like two months at a time. He would just, I mean, he loves our kids, but you know, guys, they're just sort of like, I love you boys. I'll see you when we get back, you know, and he's the best dad. Don't get me wrong. But like, I think mothers tend to generally speaking, have that umbilical cord still very attached. And so my boys, I think when I leave them, you know, it's never for more than two or three nights. Right. And I think that as they get older, it will be easier to do that. You know, I think when they're little, it's really hard. They're like glue, literally. Still glue. Hard. My little one is literally like Velcro. It's still hard though. They don't like it. They, my sons hate it when no. I go away. Hate it. Um, hate it. And they're 13. So I wish I could tell you it gets easier. It doesn't get easier, right? No, it gets harder. Cause now you've got, you've got, well, you've got two, I've got three. I've got, I live with three teenagers that hate me. So, but they still want to be with me. Uh, you but, have three, you have three boys that are teens. No, two boys that are teens and a girl. She's 17 and two 13 year old boys. And I, it's, it's like, you are in it. I'm, I'm in the thick of it. I live with, you are really in the, yeah, they, they steal money from my bag every day. You know, it's just chaos. <laughs> they don't want to do anything with me, but they don't want me to go out. 
So it's very funny. They, they just want to know you're there waiting with open arms 100%, at all times. Just sat downstairs doing absolutely nothing. I'm there while they slam the door in my face. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's fun in my house. But what about a social life? Because my husband sounds a bit like Roger. He could just like literally live with me. That That's his, that's, yeah. that's all he needs. And I, I need, he, I need other humans. He does not. It's interesting because I, I would say the, the thing that people I think don't realize about me. And I, I do say about myself is that, and I've discovered more over the last couple of years, I really am an introvert. And I know that's wild because I don't seem like one at all, but I think it's because I ended up in a career that really requires me to be more of an extrovert. And it's this funny thing because I'm sort of this situational extrovert. So if you say to me, okay, we have the option to go out for dinner tonight or stay home, I would always choose home. I would always choose home. And like, I would love to just sit in my bathrobe with my kids or my husband and just watch a movie and take in food and whatever, happiest place. But once I'm out, I'm out, right? Like I'll talk to anybody. I love my friends. I love whatever, but it's sort of like this. I'm happiest with my family. I have a ton of amazing friends. I'm incredibly close with my sister. And I think because of that, it has always caused me to not rely on my friends. When I say rely, I think a lot of women, their girlfriends are their like safe people, right? It's like you, you talk 80 times a day. You talk, I think for me, because I've been with Roger for my whole adult life and my sister is my life. I think that I've leaned, they're so effortless to me that I think that I never really put anything on my friends. Right. And so I think that same need for me to sort of have those, like, I need to go out with my girlfriends four days a week, or I need to talk to my friends for half the day. I've never really had that, but I will say to that, contradicting that, is that over the last like two or three years, I find myself talking on the phone to my closest girlfriends more. And it's weird because it's not something I've ever done. I hate talking on the phone. I literally talk to my sister and my mother and I do. And I, it, it's a weird thing. I just, I don't know, but I think that's sort of the old school part of me is sort of like at some point you get sick of texting but I also find you only text people you don't care if you talk to. Yeah. Let's take a little break from the show and talk about Western Hotels. With over 200 destinations around the world, Western Hotels make it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. This, for me, is a game changer. With signature offerings to help you move, eat, and sleep well, Western Hotels make a travel opportunity to enhance your well-being, not detract from it, which um, is key for someone like me who's always on the move. At Western Hotels, you can work out how you want. They have a variety of fitness options to keep your wellness routine on track while you're away. So maintain your focus in Western workout fitness studios that are equipped with state-of-the-art equipment. You can get moving on a group run by Western's Run Concierge, a running guide or buddy, which makes it so easy for you to explore the local areas this, I think, is amazing because if you're new to an area and you're running on your own, it's easy to get lost or end up in the wrong place or 
you know, it's scary. So to have a running body and a run concierge, I think is so clever. Run like a local. There'll be three and five mile scenic run maps, which make it easy for you to find and explore the best route on foot. Or just do your own thing with the workout and recovery gear available through demand through Weston's gear lending program. Again, genius. If you're on the move and you don't want to carry all your workout gear, they'll lend it to you and you simply just give it back. Customize your workout while you go on with Hyper Ice and Bala products to borrow during your stay. Eat well also with Weston's Eat Well menu designed with foods that make sure you meet your nutritional needs. So basically, Western chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind. Choose what's right for you and the desired portion size and nutritional balance. Western makes it easy for you to continue to nourish your health, no matter where you are in the world. Lastly, you can recharge your body and mind with a restorative sleep in Western's renowned heavenly bed. I actually do this at home every single night. I put lavender balm on my pillow. It eases my tension and soothes your senses and you sort of just drift on into a gorgeous sleep. And I love that a hotel has actually thought about the little things because it really does make a difference, especially if you're on a work trip and you're stressed. It's amazing. At Western Hotels, there are amenities, offerings aimed to help you move well, eat well, sleep well, so you can keep your well-being close while away. Find wellness on your next day at Western. Western Hotels is also part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and an award-winning travel program. Let's get back to the show. I've just realized, though, that, you know, I think we give so much to our girlfriends. And when you're as busy, busy as we all are, that... At this stage in my life, I barely, you know, we film for four months. I mean, I don't have the headspace anymore. And then you become this terrible friend and that you feel like you've let everybody down. And, you know, my husband is forever telling me like, you know, you don't need all of these people. Like, I mean, he doesn't mean throw, you know, get rid of everyone. No, no, no. He's right though. You need, you need some of them. And I think the older you get, it's a, it's a strange thing. I think, you know, people, of course, the, the age old cliche is like with age comes wisdom, right? But I actually would argue and say with age comes peace. And there's this huge edit filter that happens as we get older. And to me, it's sort of like, I'm not spending my time with people that I don't want to spend time with. I think those days start to disappear. And I also think that COVID kind of helped that, right? In a weird way, because it was sort of like you really stayed attached to the people you really missed and you really wanted to be with. But I think it's important. I think it's important to have a handful, even just one or two of those safe people, right? Otherwise you feel super alone, I think, you know? I mean, with LA as well, I think LA can be a very, you know, very fickle town to live. And and I know it's changed a lot since, I mean, yeah. when I was there last with, after COVID, it really has changed. It seems to have sort of yeah. lost its sort of, uh, what I loved about it, it it's lightness and it, the, you know, the feeling yes. of just like anything can happen in LA. I feel like that isn't it's there true. right now. I don't, I don't love LA right now. No. Truth be told, I really, I really don't love LA. I really it doesn't feel homey right now. If that makes sense. It feels very unstable right now. But how have you managed to weather that Hollywood storm? Because there are so many stylists there now that have sort of tried, you know, are coming up. And, you yeah. know, when you go in, you've been there for forever. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, when you go in and style somebody, you know, you don't do these newest looks and this, you know, you sort of stick to how you are and how everyone thinks of you. How do you, how do you stay relevant in a town where, you know, it is, it, it's, it changes so fast and nobody seems mm-hmm. to stay loyal to anyone. It's so true. And I think it's particularly with styling. I think it's interesting. I have found that people are always loyal or more inclined to be loyal to their hair and makeup people than to a stylist. And it's very interesting, but it's also a very different time in styling now. So when I was, you know, styling in, in sort of like the, you know, all my clients were winning Oscars and it was like sort of this crazy heyday of Hollywood, right? For me, it was very simple. What is the best look in this room right now, right? Like, so if I would bring, I don't know, let's just call it 40 to 50 options, right? Let's just say in 10 fittings, right? First and foremost, what does the client feel best in, right? And if the client feels best in a really terrible look, but hopefully I would never bring a terrible look. So you hope that anything that they land on is great, but you also have to have those pieces that may not be your favorite, but you know, will be their favorite, right? Because you have to make the client happy. But at the end of the day, I think now it's few and far between where the best look wins in that fitting room. And I think that that's for a myriad of reasons. I think there's a lot of people influencing those decisions of what the actor wears. I think that that may not really be the right person to make those decisions. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of money going around now where people are paid to wear anything from stockings to shoes, to jewelry, to clothes, to couture, to, you know, and, and I think once money is the sort of deciding factor, that doesn't always mean that the best look is the one that makes it to the red carpet, you know? And that's really sort of, to me, the biggest thing that's changed. I will say on the other hand of that, I find maybe because of social media or whatever, that the actors are now really advocating for their glam teams and their stylists. And that was not something when I was styling, really styling, you know, full-time 24-7 that ever happened, you know, that I would have a client that would, that if I was winning stylist of the year or whatever, that would like pose for a photo shoot with me or present me necessarily with that award because it was a very under the radar behind the scenes position you know, and, you know, to this day, like I, I'm, I'm never going to be comfortable on a red carpet because I set out to be a stylist. A stylist is really behind the scenes. Right. And so I think for me, even as I was becoming known through like before my show, when it was just in, you know, through media and whatever, if they were asking me to get on the carpet, I would just say, no, like, no, I'm not comfortable. Or like, and, and if I was with a client, I didn't care what they were asking. I would never take, I would never do red carpet with a client. Yeah. Because do you think, do you think that that sort of uh, ever holds you back when, if you become as big as the client in a way, if yours, you know, does the client not particularly want to be dressed by someone who's also famous? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think what I've seen, which is super interesting recently, you know, there have been a few friends, a few people that I, that I know, some closer friends and not where, you know, I would look at them and be like, yeah, I think they actually want to be the talent, you know? And lo and behold, they really, they would lose clients or 
for whatever reason, I think there's certain prominent, you know, talent for whatever reason is not comfortable with their stylist or hair or makeup being known. And I think at the end of the day, we all know, I mean, you know, it's, it's a level of insecurity, right? And, and I think that I would never say that about any actor. They just may want someone that's like super chill and like nobody knows and it's their private thing and that's totally fine, you know? But I think at the end of the day, what's happened is a lot of stylists have seen and hair and makeup artists that they want way more than what they're doing. They want a brand. And once they start doing that, their clients are either going to support that or they're not. I think it used to be, or I remember back when, I mean, I, I, we had sort of a concierge where we helped sort of um, find lots of things for clients. But I think what used to happen is they, you know, the, the, the person hiring you didn't want anyone to know that they had a stylist. So a hundred percent. So that was the whole thing. Cause it wasn't cool as back then. It's like, well, why can't you dress yourself? Especially in England where it's very sort of, you know, you just don't do that. Like, you know, if you have money, you're meant to be in Marks and Spencer's and share your bathtub with people. So it's like, um, <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because when I started my career and I started to become known, it's funny that you say that because I was styling a lot of very, very affluent people who lived between Dubai and England. And I remember being flown to London with me and my assistant. We signed, I'm not joking, like 20 contracts that was like, you can't ever utter a word. You can't ever this, you can't ever that. I'm like, I don't want to tell anybody like this. Is like, this is like, yes, it's like patient. I mean, every styling thing that I ever did to me, I always treated like doctor patient confidentiality. If they then came to me and said, Hey, can you interview about what so-and-so is wearing tonight or whatever? Then, then protocol, what I would do is I would call the manager or call the publicist and say, Hey, are you okay with me talking about her look tonight? If not fine, you know, like sometimes they really wanted me to talk about it and sometimes they didn't. And you just have to respect that ultimately. You know, I love that. I would definitely love to tell everyone that you were styling me. How does it, how, so, I love you. There's no no client confidentiality here. We're singing it from the rooftop. But (laughs) how do you sort of weather the storm though? As I said, there's just so many up and coming, you know, because ultimately it's a glamorous I think a lot don't. A lot don't. A lot don't. I think, look, you have to have a very thick skin. There's also not as much invested now as there was back when I was doing it, right? Like when I was coming up in the music industry and I was working with Backstreet Boys, Enrique, Jessica Simpson, Britney, all these people, right? That's when I started my career. So that was like early, like two, it was like 2000, you know, late nineties, I was doing supermodels and models and the whole fashion thing and whatever. And then 2000, I started really doing music for about five years. I did that before I moved to LA, actually about three years. And that was crazy. The amount of money, the amount of time, the amount of effort, we were doing music videos that were like five days long. I mean, with limitless budgets, limitless wardrobe budgets, limitless budgets to pay styling. I mean, I would be paid for like, I would be paid for a week long job. And then someone would not show up. One of the, one of the band, you know, one of the, one of the talent wouldn't show up. They'd canceled. They'd still pay us. Then they'd book us for another week. That's how crazy it was. That doesn't happen now, right? And I think that there are a handful of stylists 
that are tremendously successful. And then I think the majority are really just doing the hustle and the grind. And I think a lot really have to do a lot of things on the side. They have to do personal styling that they don't talk about, you know, and things like that, because it's really hard. It's really hard. But for me, I think to answer your question about weathering the storm, I think for me, I never think I weather any storm. But I think that it's because I've never only had or done one thing. I've always diversified everything I've done from the earliest I can remember. I mean, when I was styling 24-7, I launched my media business. I launched my, my two books. I did a million different partnerships and endorsements. I launched my clothing line, kids line. You know, I just, I think you have to always you can't put everything in one place. I think that's such a risk in life for anything. You just never know. It's like what I say to friends that are like, oh, you're just killing time and trying to make enough money until you get married and then you're just going to quit. And then it's sort of like, that's not a good idea in my opinion. I mean, I'm not being judgy to anyone who does, but I will say you really set yourself up for potential disaster because- You know, what if you're with that guy that like then cuts you off if things don't work out and then you're just sitting there with no job, no money and no nothing. Right. And so for me, it's always been very important to me to have my hands in a lot of things and constantly challenge myself and constantly figure out different ways that I can help women just really live their absolute best lives and be their absolute most confident selves. And whether that's through teaching them, whether it's through developing your own personal style so that you have confidence, you feel better about yourself, you want to get out of bed in the morning, you're going through it, you know, a really depressed time in your life and you just can't even face anything. It's sort of like, ultimately, however I can sort of help women love themselves more, just, just, I don't just go out into the world being like, you know what? Like, I love you guys, but I love my husband. I love my boyfriend. I love whatever, but like, you don't define me, right? You don't define me. And you have to always be able to stand up on your own. You just do, you know? I mean, I have to say, this is a great place to to leave this podcast, but I was going to say, I think this is probably the secret you've just given to why your marriage to Roger has survived the time and is so strong today for all of the reasons, as I keep saying to all the women out there, those reasons, standing on your own, being able to choose every day that, you know, where you want to be and that he knows you're not going to collapse without him. You know, he's the cherry, he's not your cake. And I think that's, that's the biggest lesson that, you know, Rach, we can pass on to anyone listening out there that it is key today before I think to any relationship is not to be needy. Literally, I scream it at the top of any mountain I can find because I have, as I'm sure you do, every girl in my life aged 23 to 53, 55, 57, whatever it is, I need to find a guy. Where's the guy? I got to find a guy. And I'm like, why? Why? Like, yes, I understand it. Yes, of course. We all want companionship. We all want to be in love. Yes, I believe in that a thousand percent. You cannot make that your daily mission in life because they sense that it's toxic for you. It's toxic for them. And even once you find love, if that is how you feel, it's never going to last. You have to love yourself. You got to own yourself. That's it. And govern yourself. And, 
you know, I think divorce, not dead is so brilliant because I have so many friends going through it. My sister's been a single mom since she was, I think it's now 17 years. And ultimately the irony of it is so many people that leave a marriage, they were so scared to leave. I swear to them up and down, this first year is going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard, but I promise you, you will never feel better after that. You will never. And they're like, Rachel, my friend, she's been very open about it actually, but you know, I'm sure you know, Christelle Lamb. I mean, she's just went through a divorce and she's been very vocal about, you know, there is such a life after. And I think, I think your podcast, I think it's, it's so, it's so appropriately titled. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it is, it is, it's true. And I think I, you know, I, I divorce not dead came because everybody kept bringing me going. I'm so sorry. Like there was a death in the family and I had chosen, I'm like, sorry, <laughs> I had chosen to leave. I was like, well, don't be yeah. sorry. I'm living my best life. And, you yeah. know, and, and I want everyone to feel like that because so many people told me not to do it and that I wouldn't have a life because I was 43 with kids and all of this. And I have the best life of anyone that I, I wouldn't swap with anyone. I'm so happy. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. so happy. Every day I wake up and pinch myself. It's wild. It's not like, I, and I'm not saying I don't like anyone else's life. I love everybody's life, but I, no, no, I don't want to be, their own. yeah, I, I, I love my own life. I'm so happy. And I would say to anybody out there, never feel like that. This is it. There is, it's not, it's just not in the world we live in. And you're absolutely right. I think we're, we're busy enough and we're clever enough to just, you know, always be, even if I didn't, hadn't met my husband, which I have, but yeah. because I had that yes. attitude where I didn't need anyone, that's where yes. I met him. It's just like you with Roger. The moment you say you don't need anyone and I don't, I'm not getting married, yeah. all of these things, you know, there he was next day. So life has a very different plan than the one that you make in your head. hundred percent. Thank you, Rachel. This was really fun. So much fun. I have to get to Dubai. Now you've motivated me. I have to. Oh, I well, I, I will. I will 100% take you around. I'll take, <laughs> I'll be your chauffeur. So I'd Aww. love that. Let me know. I adore you. This was so much fun. So much fun. Thank you. Tell everyone how they can find you. Just think, you know. Oh, yes. At Rachel Zoe on Instagram or at my podcast at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day or night, whatever time it is there. You too, darling. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.